This is the Christian Circle Podcast and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast and we're especially saying welcome to uh, all our new listeners from Lithuania and Tanzania uh, who have joined us on this podcast. So today we have a new guest and he's going to talk to us about the commandment, Thou shalt not kill. So, Dr. Ansel Augustine, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Pamela, for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here and uh, greetings to all the listeners out there. My name is Dr. Ansel Augustine from New Orleans, Louisiana, my home where I minister, where I've spent most of my life and career working and doing God's work and growing as a man of God. Uh, Presently, I'm the director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministries for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. I've worked in ministry for 20 plus years, mostly in youth, young adult, prison, campus ministry. I worked in New York at St. John's University, worked in Washington, D.C. under Cardinal Gregory during the pandemic, uh, and came home in May to work at my home church, St. Peter Claver, here in the Treme area, which is the oldest Black neighborhood in the country, but also to work with our most at-risk uh, youth population, because we see a lot of the realities in our inner city, especially in our Black and brown communities, of lack of resources and thus lack of hope. Uh, and so being a light of Christ in those churches and in those spaces and places, bringing that love. So that's been my ministry all together in a nutshell. Great. Now, you actually also write, right? And, and I believe you wrote a post on Busted Halo about uh, thou shall not kill and you actually wrote on many other websites about the same commandment over and over so tell us a little bit about what is the fifth commandment in a nutshell all right uh when we look at the commandment thou shalt not kill we look at you know during the time period uh when it was written the violence that was going on and the lack of respect for human life uh that was going on during the old testament during the time of the exodus you know people were trying to have their lives valued, you know, the Israelites, you know, God's people at that time, uh, as they were trying to find a new place, a new space coming out of uh, enslavement in the, uh, with the Egyptians during that time period, just trying to dignify and get rules for life together, you know, these, these commandments. But in particular, that one, thou shalt not kill, especially when we look at today, inside and outside of the church, you know, the violence that goes on that threatens human dignity. So killing can be more than just a physical act of taking someone's life, but also even just those that mess, the gossip, the attacks, mm-hmm. the slander, you know, whether online, we see it now with our youth and our young adults, you know, in this millennium Gen Z generation, or even amongst our adults, those things that attack a person's dignity. Anytime that someone is treated less than a child of God, that is killing that person's spirit and dignity. And that goes against God's will. So when I think of Thou shalt not kill when I'm working with young people or adults locally or nationally or internationally. You know, that's what I think of when I think of thou shalt not kill. How are we respecting the God made in God's image likeness of the person that's in front of me? And, and I'm glad you actually said this because uh, let, let's just go through each thing one by one. So basically right. homicide, right? And yes. um, and when, we, when you say uh, uh, an individual's life is less, is treated as less. And, and God says, uh, especially at the start of Genesis, he says, has, Cain has murdered his brother and his brother's blood is crying out to me from the earth. And so let's begin with intentional homicide. What is wrong with killing somebody else? Well, here's the thing. 
when we look at the great men and women that are in the Bible, or even those that have uh, made a way in our own personal lives, family and friends, or even those great social justice advocates that have lived and walked the earth. If someone had taken their life at a young age, uh, depending on their age, if they did their work at, a, at an older age, we would not have experienced the grace that's there. Mm -hmm. If Christ himself had been killed at a young age, we wouldn't have experienced the blessing of, you know, although he was crucified to save us at an older age, the, the miracles that we witnessed, we wouldn't have had that. So that's important to realize when I'm out in our community, unfortunately, I love my city. New Orleans is very important to me, but we have always had the reputation of being the murder capital of the world for many years. Uh, we're also number one for mass incarceration, which I also feel is a form of killing someone's spirit and livelihood. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we look at the reality of murder in the streets, you know, it's violent right now. Summertime, uh, this is the summertime when we're recording this. We have a rule of thumb in a lot of inner city neighborhoods. As the temperature goes up, so does the violence. Mm -hmm. um, the lack of resources are not there in our communities. Our school systems are poor. Um, and those things lead to a sense of hopelessness, especially when you have the lack of resources and those things that are inside of our communities. And so young people, if they don't have a proper outlet or proper connection, many times feel, especially in our black and brown communities that have been targeted by the government in certain ways, shape, or form to be under-resourced, feel a sense of hopelessness. So if they don't care about their own lives, why should they care about someone else's life? And thus, when certain levels of beef or disrespect occur, rather than ignoring it, ignoring it, or trying to resolve it in a peaceful way, the lashing out happens because they have no control over any other aspect of their life and the sense of hopelessness, then they want to attack someone that is uh, disrespecting, for lack of words, them that violence occurs in our community. So many times, those of us that are in these communities as spiritual leaders or just leaders altogether, sometimes are forced to be those mediators or sources of healing in those moments. I've held many, many a prayer service um, in the spaces where blood has been shed. And we use that scripture to create a sense of awareness of why this is wrong, why this goes against God's commandments and what we are called to do as community to address these needs. Okay. So the next thing then, abortion. Right. So this is like, I think, becoming uh, more and more widespread. We have more Latin American countries. We have Ireland who's now accepted this. Why is this now also part of the same commandment? Yes, um, of course, as you know, as, as a Catholic, I am definitely against uh, abortion, you know, and it calls us what I said before. How do we know these babies, you know, these 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 what, no matter what. Uh, stage of life they're in. And of course, you know, um, you know, there are mixed opinions about whether this comes through rape or just different things like that. You know, I'm not here to control anybody's bodies, but my worry is this. What if we are killing Jesus? Yeah. What if we're killing the next prophet that he has sent into this world? Mm -hmm. What if we're killing somebody that is caused to help make the world a better place? The next Pope, the yeah. next, uh, you know, teacher that affects the, <laughs> inspires somebody to make a difference in their lives. We don't know either way, because this uh, child was conceived in some way, shape, or form. Um, we have to remember God took time in his infinite plan, in his infinite wisdom that we are never called to understand. We're just called to trust in that we are called to support this life because this life, whether it makes a difference or not, is important because God decided it was important. And so that's my stance on abortion for us to help us understand that from the womb to the tomb, mm. we are called to protect life. That's great. Then we have the next thing, which is um, suicide. So if there's somebody out there who's contemplating this step right now, 
How yeah. will we convince them that this also violates the same commandment? Yeah, you know, and we see suicide rates increasing yeah. in this world, especially since what's going on in this world right now with the wars, the hopelessness, the pandemic, the yeah. also the sense of isolation that was even a reality even before the pandemic yeah. due to the reality of social media. And I'm specifically talking about uh, our youth and young adults, mm-hmm. um, the sense of hopelessness, the sense of isolation. So what I try to do is help people remember, especially if there's someone listening on this podcast right now that may be feeling hopeless and thinking they're worthless, understand those thoughts are from the enemy. Mm -hmm. You are a gift and you are a child of God. And even when we think about suicide, that harms God. But more importantly, that harms people that are around us that care about us. Even if we don't feel we are cared about, Mm -hmm. understand this, you are. You are loved, you are precious, and you are worthy. And I ask you to say those things to yourself. I have to say it to myself on a constant basis because sometimes I get beat up working in the church by people in the church and people outside of the church. And I have to remember this fact is that I am loved, I am cared for, and I am worthy. Even if I might not see the people in front of me, I see the attacks, I see the emails, I see the phone calls, I see the text messages that may be attacking me or making me feel otherwise. You have to remember this. So my suggestion is this is to find someone you trust, talk to somebody, a therapist, or even a a trusted religious leader or person in your community to know that and to remind yourself of that and to walk in that truth. So that's all it is, is knowing that as the commandment says, thou shalt not kill, that means attacking other people, but also what we say and what we believe about ourselves, not attacking ourselves as well. Thank you for saying that and for sharing your own, um, you know, uh, what's happening in your own life. So the next thing is uh, euthanasia. And, And I recently read an article, I think it was I'm not sure if it's Sweden or if it's Switzerland or one of those countries, uh, affluent countries where you can now, you know, check in and say, okay, I want to end my life. And, and that's that. And it'll be done for you. So uh, how does this also violate the same commandment? You know, when we look at that, it's the same thing. God has blessed us in his infinite wisdom with a divine purpose, but also this crazy thing called free will. He loves us enough to help us make our own choices and to make the decision to choose him, you know, and we look at a society that is slowly pushing God out of our schools, out mm-hmm. of our society as a norm, especially in America's society, which was founded, you know, when it became America uh, as a Christian society. <clears throat> but we're losing those values. And sometimes with those loss of values, we have that loss of understanding, as we say in my neighborhood, as in my church, who we are and whose we are as children of God. Mm-hmm. And when we lose that value of ourselves and each other, we... we uh, lose that importance that I'm here to make a difference and I'm part of a bigger purpose, part of a bigger community. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we look at euthanasia, you know, when I say womb to the tomb, are we talking about from the time of conception to natural death? Natural meaning is when it's God's time. And of course, you know, we have those freak accidents that happen, um, you know, uh, car accidents, plane, you know, just just random events, but that's also as hard as it may be. And I've lost people uh, due to Hurricane Katrina, which I still mourn, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we had that happen here in uh, New Orleans and even the pandemic and even last year with Hurricane Ida, I lost a couple of people. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I have to trust as painful as it is that this is all part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. I have no people that I grew up with, my friends, because of violence in the neighborhood growing up. Mm-hmm. But even when it comes to euthanasia, we have to trust that we cannot take into our own hands our own destiny in regards to, all right, I'm sick of this world. It's time to die. <laughs> if you wake up every morning with breath in your lungs and you're able to get up, even if you're not able to get up, some of our people are uh, 
you know, physically impaired. The fact that God made you aware and alert means you have a purpose for that day. Mm -hmm. You're not done until God says it's done. So um, all these things are violations to his natural law for us to be and exist in the world that he created for us out of love. Because he created us out of love for us to love him and love one another. And we have to remember that. So how is it today you can love yourself and love someone in your uh, network to help them realize God loves them? That's what it's about. Okay. So in, in the beginning itself, when you were talking about the commandment, you mentioned how uh, maligning somebody, um, you know, slander, gossip, all of these, this, these things are also kind of violations of the same commandment. So how, and especially to convince people who, who don't think, you know, that they're doing uh, something wrong, how will you encourage them or tell them that, you know, killing somebody's character is as good as killing somebody? Amen. So uh, the way I got involved in ministry, just real quick, uh, was by my dad. I called him my dad, Father Michael Jacques, who was our pastor here at St. Peter Claver for 30 years until he died of a heart attack in 2013. And also one of my moms in ministry, Sister Eva Regina Martin, who was the uh, mother superior of the Sisters of the Holy Family, which is one of the order of uh, Black nuns in the uh, Archdiocese of New Orleans, but in the country, whose foundress, Venerable Mother Henriette DeLille, who's from my neighborhood, is one of the six African-Americans on the road to canonization. We don't have a uh, African-American saint yet, capital S, uh, but, you know, Venerable Mother Anya DeLille is one of the ones on the road to canonization. Mm -hmm. But when I'm uh, talking about slander and everything, one thing they used to always tell me is to remember who you are and whose you are. Mm -hmm. And to remember that when we are in these spaces and places, to remember each person is a child of God. Mm -hmm. And as we are there, to lift them up. Because when we attack somebody, um, we're attacking God. Uh, and we think it's uh, simple stuff, simple, just gossip and different things. But what they used to say is this, Ansel, you want to find the crazies? Go to church. You want to find the crazies in the church? Go to the choir. And we have a big gospel choir here at Peter Claver and Father Mike used to joke with that. But, but it's true. When we come to the church, sometimes we think we are perfect. Even some of our, God bless their clergy and the work that they do, but we put people on pedestals, not realizing we are each human and flawed because the only perfect person is God. Yeah. And so, you know, in Jesus Christ, who we try to model ourselves after. But sometimes when we come in the church, it's that brokenness of the people in this field hospital, as sometimes we refer to the church and challenge our church to be a field hospital mm -hmm. that, you know, that brokenness sometimes hurts other people. Whether, you know, when I hear about people that have left the church, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the ones that have mm -hmm. no religious affiliation or choose not to be affiliated or people that have left the Catholic church, yeah. whether it's people that have quote unquote graduated from confirmation and have decided not to be a part of the church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to remember there is this thing called church hurt. And sometimes we don't want to address that church hurt because of brokenness of people in ministerial leadership or people in the pews that have judged or something. We have to remember being in church is a privilege and a blessing. Mm -hmm. One of us you know, we are all unworthy of God's love and, uh, uh, and you know, you know, love and uh, sacrifice, grace and mercy. And even I think it's during the Eucharistic prayer, we say, Lord, I'm not worthy yeah. for you to enter under my roof. You know, we are not worthy, <laughs> but yet he chooses to love us. And how much more important for us as people of faith to love those that are unworthy. Pope Francis tells us we are called to go to the peripheries. And sometimes it's in those peripheries that we will encounter Christ because Christ is in the periphery. So that's my two cents on it. Okay. So you also mentioned uh, respecting human dignity. Now, what exactly does respecting human dignity even mean? 
because to different people, uh, to different communities in different countries, it's a different idea. And right. how does one go about respecting human dignity? I mean, where do we even start? Yes. You know, thank you for that. You know, and even every country, you know, some have set caste systems, some have set social orders, some, you know, in this country, even in even in communities of color, you know, we have classism, which affects us from the inside versus racism, which affects us from the outside. Yeah. Um, I think here's the thing. And I said it before, my sister, if God created you, then you are good and you deserve the dignity of being a child of God. Yet, you know, and I have a doctorate, you know, and I have all these accomplishments, but I do not think I'm better than anybody, mm -hmm. but I know this, nobody's better than me, mm -hmm. you know? And if I walk with that, that doesn't mean I'm arrogant, but that means I walk with confidence knowing who I am and whose I am as a child of God. That's what I teach my young people. Unfortunately, our parish school, uh, which used to be here for almost a hundred years, St. Peter Claver Elementary School, closed um, about three years ago. Yeah, it broke my heart. It was my favorite place in the world. You can read, uh, see it, you know, in a documentary. I was an Emmy-nominated uh, documentary producer, blackfaithmatters.com mm -hmm. is the website. But, you know, we talk about our school and what it meant to us, and then it closed, you know, uh, three years later, and that was part of the documentary. But in those spaces and places, I'm teaching these young people, whether they come from the projects that we used to have down the street or from one of the suburb areas, you are a child of God. And so when we look at human dignity, helping people remember who they are and whose they are, but also teaching them to treat others no matter where they come from in life with respect and love. Um, but also as people may disrespect us because of the color of our skin um, or because of what's in our bank account or because of our uh, gender or just different things like that, um, we have to remember we are called to fight those injustices in society as well. That's what it means to live with human dignity and treat others uh, with respect because of their human dignity, in my eyes. Now, you actually wrote about issues of inequality, even within the church. What are your possible solutions? I'm sure you probably listed out in the book, but uh, what are your solutions uh, for people within the church that they may be able to, you know, respect others, irrespective of where they come from, what language they speak, how much money they have, what color they are, which, which caste they belong to, which country they belong to? Yes. So the title of the book is Leveling the Praying Field. Can the church we love love us back? It's on Amazon or you can uh, call Orbis Books to order some. Um, and the reason I wrote the book, I was asked to write a book by Orbis. And this summer when I was in Washington, D.C., this past uh, summer before last, uh, working under Cardinal Gregory, that is when the murder of George Floyd took place. And I was asked to write various articles, various statements, even put together resources for our national, American national Catholic organizations who did not know how to even address this sin of racism, America's original sin, as the USCCB says, of racism. And so as I was putting together these resources, especially for youth, youth ministers, campus ministers, young adult ministers, theology teachers, I realized there was not really any resources to talk about racism from a Catholic perspective mm -hmm. to youth, young adults and different things. Mm -hmm. So that's why this book came about leveling the praying field, can the church we love, love us back. And when we talk about addressing these issues, I try to flip the script on people. Mm -hmm. I tell my own personal testimonies and I talk about statistics and just general ideologies of why we are where we are as a country. I'm speaking about America in mm -hmm. particular. And for me, the main suggestion is this, is for us as America to put the people that are affected by racism as the leading change agents 
rather than us coming in as people that are privileged to address what needs to happen. That's what happens many of the times. Mm -hmm. Those folks' resources, those folks that are in positions of power, dictating to those that are voiceless of what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like? And this is you know, modeled after Pope Francis and some of his charges for us throughout his ministry is to lift up the voices on the peripheries, mm -hmm. those that have been pushed to the side, those that have been seen and unworthy, those that in our diocese or communities that are victims of racism or discrimination, to lift up their voices, bring them to the center, and have them dictate what needs to happen and how we can help. Listen more than we talk. And after we listen to be a true ally, then act on the needs of the people that are affected by this. Mm -hmm. And this this is actually applicable globally, right? I mean, right. anywhere you yes. go, it, it's important to listen to the people who, who don't have uh, and see their struggles and help them out of their struggles. Yes, yeah, very correct. And it, it's modeled after, to me, you know, my, men, my role model in life, Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, the person I strive to be like is when he came to earth, he didn't go hang, he was a king of kings, but he didn't mm -hmm. go fellowship with the kings and, you know, associate with them on a regular basis. He was with those that were outcasted and chastised, mm -hmm. you know, to lift up their lives and help them give hope. And I think this is what gives hope in a society that's full of hopelessness, yeah. you know, is building that relationship and building that community that we're called to be and live out. So right now, from your perspective, since you know so much about this problem, um, let's say there's somebody who has dealt with the sin of any one of these above things, any violation of thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. What is the message for them that they will receive and feel and experience God's forgiveness and realize that there is a new chapter and they can begin again? So if someone has committed the sin of uh, violence or has killed in any way, shape or form from a physical act of killing somebody or even the gossip, the mess of trying to disrespect someone's human dignity or maybe even part of a system you know there are mm -hmm. systems in place around our world yeah. that keep people uh subjugated or seen as less than yeah. um if you participate in those things first of all is to analyze your life in the way of looking at am i really living out christ's command for me am i really living out um really living out what it is god has called me to do and to be as a person connected to other people sometimes and that's the problem for many of us in our society today mm -hmm. is we become so individualistic that we think yeah. my actions are about me and it doesn't affect anyone else or I don't care how it affects anyone else mm -hmm. not realizing we're part of a greater network in society God you know I don't know you until now uh my sister but you are my sister because God created you and we are in this world together uh navigating this crazy thing called life yeah. um and so when we look at our adults and those that are perpetrating the sin of violence or killing in some way, shape, or form, we have to realize, especially inside our church. Mm -hmm. I get labeled as a black sheep and black ball sometimes, but I call mm -hmm. out the church because people come to the church for hope. And many times the church hurts people that have genuine good intentions to try to better because they don't fit a mold the church wants them to be in. There's no mold. None of us are worthy. So to try to address our own sins, Go to confession, first of all. Yeah. Uh, I believe in the sacrament of confession. And then see what we can do to act different. You know, see what we can do to mend the fences. See what mm -hmm. we can do to either heal those. If we've killed somebody physically, of course, try to do, you know, uh, if you're in prison, I don't know who's listening to this. You know, try to see what you can do to heal the wounds that have been caused to the family or community that is affected by the loss. But if it's something about gossip, tearing someone down, attacking someone's character, 
lying about people or even just our own jealousies that cause us to act out or insecurities that act out in certain ways, address those first and then go to see how we can repair those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and just even being honest, understanding that sometimes we may not be uh, welcomed because of the pain we've caused, yeah. but to understand we can only do what we can and to live a better life from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. And and I, I remember again, you know, um, Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? But right. yes, the Lord is asking us to be our brother's keepers, to be loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Correct, correct. Because we are all connected, whether yeah. we believe it or not, especially as we see how different things going on in different countries around the world are affecting each of us, yeah. whether it's gas prices, wars, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, you know, yeah. pandemics, we are all connected more than we realize. We're all suffering together. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, Ansel, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Do you have any last thoughts before, uh, before we end? Yeah, no, I just know I appreciate the uh, opportunity to be with y'all. Uh, my website is holyhotboy.info that's h-o-l-y-h-o-t-b-o-y dot i-n-f-o if you want to stay in touch but also remember this family as we leave this space and in, leave this place remember you are loved you are cared for and you are worthy that's all and i was going to ask you uh, if people want to find your books if they want to get in touch with you online um are you on social media or you know where can they find your books yeah um actually you can get uh, the main book can be found on Amazon, Leveling the Praying Field, Can the Church We Love Love Us Back? Or like I said, you can uh, find more information about me and stay in touch via the website I just gave, holyhotboy.info. Okay. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and, uh, you know, coming in and despite such short notice. So thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you. Thank you, Pamela. God bless you. Mm -hmm.